everyone. Welcome to News and Brew Sports Biz, our video and podcast series that advocates for the financial voices in college athletics and features new developments impacting the business of college sports. I'm Katie Davis, leader of the James Moore Collegiate Athletics team, and I'm joined by my partner, Ken Kurzel. You're in for a treat today as Katie and I are going to chat with Tim Duncan, University of New Orleans Director of Athletics. Welcome, Tim, and thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Ken and Katie. I appreciate you guys having me. So in this episode, we're continuing our discussions on the hottest topic in college sports right now, which is name, image, and likeness. And um, we should preface by saying that today is June 30th, uh, one day before NIL goes live across the country. So keep that in mind when you're listening uh, to our conversation today. One day before D-Day, right? And one exactly. day before D-Day, exactly. Um, so Tim, Katie and I often talk about the importance of communication to break down operational silos and improve financial performance. In your first 100 days in office as the new UNO Athletic Director, you set a goal to have 100 meetings to listen and talk. How did those conversations go and how did they help you as a leader? And what impact do you think that gives you in leading through the pandemic and then into the NIL era? Yeah, well, first, thank you, Ken and Katie, again, for having me on. But yeah, my first 100 days, we wanted to be very strategic because um, I came from, I observed the University of New Orleans as a former student athlete. We played here um, and just uh, just a, a fan of college athletics. I know uh, followed their journey as they um, tried to reposition the Division Three, ending up staying in a Division One. So uh, I wanted to just understand that history. So I wanted to try to meet with 100 people in 100 days. We did accomplish that. Those were all external meetings. But I did. I had an additional 183 meetings internally. Just again, it was a listening tour just to make sure that I understood um, exactly where we were going. So we spoke with uh, alumni, student athletes, fans, uh, business owners, uh, donors, uh, politicians, um, and just community leaders to understand um, the position of University of New Orleans and where it sits in the realm of sports within this great city of New Orleans, and to understand some of the history that we've come through uh, right after Katrina um, and up through the present. So it was invaluable. Uh, the basis of many of those conversations is the foundation of uh, the strategic plan that came a year later. So we live it every day. Those conversations still are helpful, helpful for us through the next five years. That's correct. And, um, you know, I was excited to see you on the NACTA panel and talking about, you know, what your concerns are and how um, breaking down some of those silos on campus is going to really be even more important now that you're having to rely on additional resources like financial aid office more um, and talking through the need-based aid side of financial aid and how NIL could potentially jeopardize Pell Grants. Um, and you'd mentioned in the NACTA webinar that about 35 to 40 percent of UNO student athletes are on Pell Grants and that you had concerns about the trade-off of replacing free money with money earned. And what are your concerns about those unintended consequences um, in regards to recruiting students and, keep, and retaining student athletes? I think um, the retention of it is could be difficult because if a student athlete's on Pell Grant and they're suddenly making enough money through name, image, and likeness to change their family's tax, tax base, then that money suddenly goes away. And then it won't be looked at as, you know, this is 
a consequence of me doing this job, but it'll be looked at as a, it could be looked at as a consequence of our university shafting them for the lack of a, a better term, hopefully. I don't know if you have edited that out, but um, so it, I'm not sure how that will position, how that will position us in their minds, because it's again, one of those unintended consequences that NIL is a great thing. People should be able to profit off their name, image, and likeness, obviously. We at the University of New Orleans, as well as many in the NCA, have come out vocally supportive of that because there's so much baggage, uh, negative baggage, when it comes to uh, the PRYs of the NCAA and the defini definition of amateurism in Austin and O'Bannon and NIL. There's a, a healthy amount of uh, mistrust between us and the public. So while the student athletes may trust me as Tim Duncan, but and, and they may trust the University of New Orleans, but this big monolith of the NCAA, they don't trust at all. And we're a cog in that. So um, we just have to make sure that we educate our student athletes enough so they'll be as, as wide open as, as we can possibly help them become. Very good, Tim. How do you see this? potentially impacting the athletic department's ability to accurately bolster the needs of student athletes while still meeting and staying within the confines of the NCAA equivalency restrictions and rules for each rostered sport. So can, could there end up being some, um, some impacts in that area? Uh, I, I don't think so with equivalency just because, you know, student athletes can work now. So any additional money that they receive work, I mean, we have students who work at Raisin Cane's or Chick-fil-A or, you know, even on campus. So this will just be a different type of work and that money is not coming from us. So it shouldn't impact them scholarship or equivalency wise. At least I don't foresee that. There's no telling what may that eventuality may be, but I don't foresee that being a challenge that we would have here. Okay. Well, that's good to hear. Um, we've heard some schools that stack aid or do partial scholarships that that could potentially uh, have a ripple effect or an impact. Yeah, for us here, I don't think that's going to be the case. I know with some uh, higher um, high academic institutions, uh, we have a, a great regional reputation here, but I came from Northeastern University and that may be a challenge they may be facing. I haven't even looked into that specifically, but here mm -hmm. in the University of New Orleans, that's not uh, a challenge that we have identified right now. That's good to hear. Um, so, you know, it, it is important for your student athletes to know enough to really understand the numbers to make informed decisions about what's in their best interest financially. And, you know, while while we agree NIL is a great thing, it's so important to make sure they're prepared for it. Um, I love your dominoes analogy that you used of all money ain't good money. Right. Um, and so. What steps has UNO taken to prepare and empower athletes for NIL, specifically for financial literacy training with respect to financial aid and taxes? Yeah, we um, we have a, a PowerPoint presentation that we're going to take all our teams to, and we won't do it tomorrow. We'll start meeting with those teams next week because many of them are here um, and we haven't been informed of any of them about to take advantage of this. So uh, just to take a step back, we worked with, after the Senate Bill 60 here in Louisiana, um, was started to matriculate through the process, the University of Louisiana system, their nine division one institutions within that system. We've been working in conjunction to develop a policy for the system that mirrors Senate Bill 60 for the state. So 
um, we've had a good handle on what that was going to look like. And we'll be having PowerPoint presentations first with our uh, coaches and staff and then with each individual team. So they'll know what we are, what we'll have. And then we'll have maybe an open session or two for some of our season ticket holders and privateer scholarship fund members. So that's how we plan to educate them. Um, now, as far as financial literacy, we have a corporate partner, uh, Northwestern Mutual, who um, works with us very closely. They already have a program where they educate um, their reps. Um, we're going to modify that program um, to offer five hours, of, which, which is recommended by our state, five hours of financial literacy and turn those into five one-hour courses that we'll be able to work with our student-athletes on. So we feel that we have uh, an industry leader, one of the industry leaders in that space, who can help guide us through that uh, through that financial literacy piece. Yeah, it's, it's great that you are thinking ahead on this and have a, a good resource and um, you know, in, in looking at the uh, the University of Louisiana system policy that the nine of you came up with, and it was nice to see that financial aid was mentioned as a part of that financial literacy training piece. Um, you know, as, as accountants, we look at, uh, we think a lot about taxes. And so I was curious mm -hmm. if in that conversation, if there is any con specific consideration given to income taxes, whether it's federal or state income tax. Yeah, that's going to be a big one. So that's part of what um, Northwestern Mutual and, and uh, will do a work to find to see what expertise they have in that area, because I'm not certain. Um, but yeah, that's something that we've talked about internally because we deal with that a little bit with international students currently. So we have some familiarity to that, but this is a whole ball of wax with mm -hmm. all the students having to potentially have tax implications and are they setting up an LLC or an S Corp or what are they doing to protect themselves there as well. So uh, yeah, that is a consideration that we will be uh, working through that we don't quite have a handle on at this moment for sure. Well, that's yeah, great you're, you're wise to have that on your radar, Tim. We, we definitely have been trying to beat the drum that uh, the taxes are a, a big deal and educating student athletes on that is right. You know, Right. And just, um, a, uh, and just a quick, so I was a student athlete in Tennessee. Um, I'm from Memphis originally, and I had a couple of summer jobs and Tennessee doesn't have any state tax. So when I graduated, I moved to Texas and uh, got a job there. And I didn't know what the heck state taxes was until I saw it coming out of my check. So yeah. uh, it's going to be a reality because we have being a neighbor of Texas. We have a ton of student athletes from Texas and some from Tennessee and Florida and some of those states where don't have state taxes. So That'll be an education process in and of itself for some students, I'm sure. No, great points on that, great points. So on the topic of ADs coming together, um, you're also one of the 60 plus Division I athletic directors who signed the Collegiate Coaching Diversity Pledge. Um, our firm is proud to be serving as the third party clearinghouse that confirms compliance with that pledge. Um, so we understand the importance of it and what it takes for schools to really take actionable steps towards increasing diversity in their athletics. Will you share more with us on your commitment to diversity within privateer athletics and what impact do you think NIL might have on diversity and inclusion? Well, at first, uh, everything starts with our president. Our president was very intentional when I was hired. He uh, gave uh, Eastman Bodine and Bob, Bob Bodine specifically the direction that he wanted to have a diverse candidate pool for the director of athletics position. So I know uh, in the finalists there was a, a woman um, me and another African-American person in the finalist. And that was because he gave the direction to 
go and find the best, most diverse pool that he could. So I'm a product of that. And our president strongly believes in that. So when I got the call about um, about it, I reached out to Dr. Nick Lowe, our president, and and told him, you know, what the pro the pro uh, proposal was for us to uh, sign a pledge saying that we would have a um, an underrepresented person, whether male or person, uh, female or a person of color, in the in the finalist. He immediately said, "Yes, let's do it. It's the right thing." So it made it very, you know, easy for me. To go ahead and do it and i wanted to do it anyway but we uh, i want to make sure that we're in alignment and i knew we would be but that's a, just a process of going through so for us it wasn't a, a no-brainer I, I, it was a no-brainer i agreed immediately and you know i took a, a couple of weeks to you know just to vet it but um, i immediately knew that that was something that we would embrace and we've taken it either step further in our policies and procedures we said that we would have a underrepresented person and any leadership level in our department. So from the assistant athletic director position and above, we've um, said that we want to make sure that we have an underrepresented person as a finalist. So that's important for us. That's something our city of New Orleans is extremely diverse. So that's something that we're uh, pretty proud of uh, to embrace. And as far as NIL, um, you know, I, I, I would hope that people who reach out to our student athletes are considering who can help push their business or I assume that's what they would be reaching out to our student athletes for and um, you know it's a meritocracy I think when it comes to student athletes it but it could be from social media a number of followers it'll just be interesting to see how that goes um, so I, I, I can't say what will happen but because we do have a very diverse city here in New Orleans um, I, I am hopeful that um, our student athlete population will be utilized to that same tune. Yeah, I, I think that, you know, just with athletes using social media and other ways to have a platform as it relates to diversity and inclusion, um, that they've already been used to and exposed to some of those things that now they're going to be tools for them in earning income off their name, image, and likeness. But I also think the public might pay a little bit more close attention to athletes platforms um, just to see how they are putting themselves out there to earn money. So um, I'm interested to see how it all works out and and what kind of um, impact they make, even if it's not from generating revenue, but just making an impact on their communities and their followers. Yeah, um, it'll be interesting to see how student athletes react when a potential company tell them they can't wear a Black Lives Matter shirt or mm -hmm. And uh, do something on their social media where we allow them to do whatever they it's their social media we just educate them on what you know the ramifications of some of those decisions are um, so we are here at the University of New Orleans are very supportive of them exercising their voice via social media however when you're in a contractual situation with uh, some companies they usually usually I've worked in corporate America uh, I worked in corporate America for about 10 or 12 years, but usually a lot more conservative when it comes to that space. It'll be interesting to see um, if there's any pushback there. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, well, do you have any words of encouragement to maybe apply some peer pressure to get other ADs to opt into the Collegiate Coaching Diversity Pledge? Yeah, I think it's the right thing to do. And, and um, I think it it forces you out of your comfort zone and just picking up the phone and calling people that are in your circle. Um, I had a friend call me this week and said, "Tim, I, I want 
you to help me find um, some African-American candidates for an associate AD for major gifts. I, I have a fundraising background, so he wanted to make sure that he has some candidates in that area. And I appreciate him for reaching out and being that intentional to have someone in the pool so they can you know, just have a more inclusive pool to talk to. So hopefully it allows even the ones that aren't able to sign it, because I know um, some ADs who said their university HR had, you know, basically put their foot down and wouldn't allow them to sign. University legal counsel or HR wouldn't allow them to do it. They should still do it in spirit, whether they sign it or not. I think the spirit of the of the rule of the um, of the pledge is even more important than signing the pledge. Um, everyone doesn't have the freedom or the president that uh, we have here at the University of New Orleans. And I definitely understand that. But, you know, I, I, I want to encourage all my my colleagues to, um, if it's within their um, purview to be able to do that, they should absolutely do so. Yeah, we're really proud to be part of that project as the the accountability piece. Um, so it's been a, it's been an honor to work on it with all the athletics directors that have been involved. So awesome. thank you for being part of that, too. Yeah, well, good. Thank you. I appreciate you guys' efforts in that in that space. Yeah, big thanks there, Tim. Um, as our regular listeners know, Katie and I enjoy uh, having beer or coffee or other uh, items on our uh, on our podcast webcasts here. Um, Tim, I believe you're drinking some tea as you join us today. You want to share maybe a little bit about it? I'd prefer to have a beer. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> Here in the office, uh, my president frowns on that a little bit. Even in New Orleans, we have okay. some about drinking in the office. So today, my brew of choice is tea. Very nice. Very nice. Well, that's good. Well, hopefully you can get off work and enjoy a beer soon. So, uh, Katie, what are you enjoying today? Well, I'm, I'm representing the state of Louisiana today. Um, Parish Brewing Company, it's one of my favorite that's not a local to us brew that I can pick up. Um, it's called Ghost in the Machine, and it's an IPA. It's one of my favorites that I've featured on here before, and it's really good. Awesome. I'll have to look for that. I have to look for that in the stores. You know, Parish Brewing is amazing, so, and right there just outside of New Orleans. So, um, I am up in Nashville, North Carolina right now, and I'm, I'm breaking my trend. I'm actually drinking a stout right now um, from a brewery called Mary Beer Company, which is one of my favorite breweries in the whole country. Um, they have very dramatic names for their beers. This one's called A Portal Beyond Non-Existence. So, oh, very dramatic name. <laughs> but uh, it's a really excellent beer. So. Got it. Well, Tim, thank you so much for joining us and sharing your perspective as um, this NIL landscape is going to be rapidly changing. Absolutely. Thank you so much again for having me. I appreciate it. I'm glad that you guys are in this space. Um, working with NIL, um, particularly on the financial literacy for uh, student athletes with taxes and things of that nature. And um, I wish you guys the best, and I'm sure we'll be talking again soon. Yeah, All thank right. you. Thank you if we can help you out. And um, thank you to our listeners for tuning in. Cheers. Cheers. To learn more about the James Moore and Company Collegiate Athletics and Higher Education segments, go to jmco.com. And don't forget to sign up for Insights to get our latest industry updates, news and events delivered straight to your inbox. You can also follow us on Twitter at JMCO Higher Ed and on LinkedIn for the latest news as the landscape of collegiate athletics and higher education is continually evolving.